Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Troll Towelhead of SatanService.org, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we welcome a special guest. J.D. of HoodooHouseDetroit.com in Detroit, Michigan, bringing us today's tutorial on back-to-school magic. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual Hoodists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Kat? Hi. Um, it's so funny to be announced by someone across the hall who just brought me my beautiful green tea with ginger, and it's going to catch up with me. I got the tea. It's lovely. It's warm. I just came back from the shop. Things are lovely and warm down in the shop. People are busily making things, including wholesale order packing. Lots of wholesale orders again this week, and we're very grateful for them. So that was your spot to check in on the Lucky Mojo shop. Um, the other news is our Facebook Friday winners. So let me announce those before we get started. We have four lucky winners for Facebook Fridays this week. The winners for September 8th, 2023 are Stephen M. Price, Justin Rodriguez, Kay Orduno, Orduno, I hope, and Nick Jennings. These folks, if you are one of these lucky winners, please contact our Facebook page and send us your mailing address so we can ship you a free Power Herbs Mixture Pack, which was our Facebook Friday's prize. So if all of that just went past you and you went, what is she talking about? Get with it. Since 2014, we've been giving away free Lucky Mojo handmade spiritual supplies every Friday at Facebook. All you have to do is go to Facebook.com, log in, of course, and uh, find the Lucky Mojo Curio Company page. We have had fraudulent phishing campaigns run by um, fake pages. We keep on trying to block them and get them bounced. Facebook does not help. When you see an ad for a Facebook Fridays giveaway, look to see how many 
um, followers and friends or whatever that that page has. It should be so many followers. It's got to be over 25,000 or it's not us. If you see somebody has zero followers and they're offering something and they have the Lucky Mojo logo, do not send them a message. They will ask for your credit card and say that they cannot send you your free prize unless you give your credit card. Don't do it. It's a free prize. No credit card. Just your mailing address. That's all we need. Okay? I have to say this fairly regularly because we just got another one today through messages and Facebook. They had sent in a credit card and it took them almost a year to get their money back. So, folks, we can't be responsible for the criminals of the world impersonating us, but we can educate you how not to get fooled and not to get taken for a ride. We're giving away free products and we don't want to stop it just because there are these impersonators. And since Facebook won't help us eliminate the impersonators, we have to educate you, the listeners, and the viewers of Facebook so that you don't get taken. All right, but the Power Herbs Mixture, that was given away, and I just want to say something about that Power Herbs Mixture. It's a wonderful mixture. It's the same mixture that we use when we dress candles at our candle station for power, um, nature, and a few other things like John the Conqueror. It is the mixture that we use for all of the, the power, Crucible of Courage, those things. They all get the Power Mixture Herb Mix on them can buy the very same mix that we make for our candle stations. And if you really want to, you can buy a little coffee bag with a seven-day supply in it at a discount. And um, that's for use any way you want to. You can burn it on charcoal as an incense. You can brew a tea and bathe in it. You can use it to roll candles in or dress glass candles. You can strew it around your house. Whatever it is that you want to do with this, um, make the tea up and put it into your laundry and wear power clothes. But right now, um, these little seven-day supply coffee bags are going very well since we introduced them. They're a new product. Okay, that's it for me. A lot of um, talking about the shop, I guess. I think the only other thing I've been doing is looking forward to the Railroad Weekend. We're going to be hosting a uh, Railroad Club meeting last Sunday of this month, which I believe is the 24th. And if you live in the area of Forestville, you're invited. You don't have to be a member of the Railroad Club to come on out and um, you know say hi and watch the trains go around. So we're looking forward to that. And tomorrow, we're getting our house re-roofed. So Cross your fingers that we can live through that happily. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> freakish to be living in the house while they're re-roofing it, but it hasn't been roofed in 30 years, and we're also having new gutters put in. So that's our world, and welcome to it. How are things with you, countrymen? <laughs> things are, are quite well. No uh, roofing on my end. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. Uh, whenever, whenever I hear about house repairs of any sort, I get mild anxiety because it's such a pain in the ass to repair houses. And it always takes a lot longer than whatever the estimate is. Like, oh, it's going to take a couple of days. It's like three weeks later. So I'm very sympathetic to what you're going through and hoping that it goes through very, very smoothly without any worries. Um, I'm in Southern California right now uh, trying to escape the very fickle 
uh, last experiences of summer. We're in a weird moment where like some days are headed towards fall. We get the nice 70 degree weather and it's very Southern California. And then other degree, other days it just shoots right up back to the 90s. So I'm, I'm very much begging mother nature to, to finally decide that it's either going to continue into fall or it's still summer. Pick one or the other, but the back and forth is driving me a little bit crazy. Uh, otherwise, I've been uh, doing quite well, staying in the shade or doing some client work. Um, I do want to uh, point out or mention uh, two kind of big events that have been going on, just because I think uh, it's important for those who listen from the future to, to know what's going on in our world, Twenty-three, but also because as spiritual practitioners, we are linked to the world around us. We're not just sort of living in digital space. Uh, first, the sort of massive flooding that has been happening in uh, Greece right now. Uh, it's been mm. incredibly devastating. The, the floods have turned into mudslides, uh, which is uh, like an ongoing theme we've been seeing this entire year, is that climate change has resulted in our infrastructure not even being able to handle rain. So in the case of Greece, it was something like over the course of three days, they had uh, two years worth of rain. That's how, how and huge it was. And then yesterday, there was a massive earthquake in Morocco that has led to over a thousand people uh, dying. So it's it's a pretty dark period in, in 2023. For those of you that are able, there are various GoFundMes and, and various uh, charitable food banks and whatnot that are that are working in Greece and in Morocco. Uh, and if, of course, you can't, this is the perfect time to say a prayer, light a candle. We're all one people. When the hand hurts, so does the head. Whereas it's always important to remember that. 2023, I think Miss Kat and I talked about this last week, has been even more funky than 2022. And that seems to be an ongoing uh, trend from 2020 on, is that every year has been funkier and funkier. Uh, everything before 2020, in my mind, is just 2016. So from the four years to 2016 <laughs> to 20, we're going to call it the long 2016, because for four years, it seems like it was just one year, 2016 to 2020. But then 2020 hit, and it's been like these successive back and you know back to back years that are really just weird. Uh, so we're definitely in one of those moments in 2023. But we're all in this together, and I honestly can't believe that we're already in September. That I mean the year is going by so fast. I don't know about you, Kat, but it's like every year has a different tone. Like 2020 felt like it was it took forever. Every <laughs> every day was a month. Every month was a year. But I blinked, and 2023 was over. I'm like, oh, my God, we're in September, headed towards October. <laughs> the year yeah. just started in my head. Yep. It's um, um, a very, very strange year. And, um, it, it, Yen, you're right. These different uh, climate disasters have been pretty horrible. I do have another little piece of happy news. Um, well, oh, yeah. two pieces of happy news. Um, Johannes Gardbach, the author of Trolldom, is currently in Sebastopol teaching a course at the Permaculture Center. And that's oh, wow. just wonderful because when that's done, after this show is done, he's going to come by and we're going to take him out to dinner for his birthday, which was just recently. So oh, we haven't seen we haven't seen Johannes Gardbach in a long time, and that's going to be fun. The other good news, and this is kind of strange, um, we posted a picture 
of the making of Money Stay With Me oils on Facebook and Instagram and asked people if they could recognize the herb that was in the big glass jar on the table where the oils were being made. And I have to report that we have some sharp customers, clients, and friends. Everybody recognized it. I'm not going to give it away. You can go there. No, no, it's already been given away. It's been posted on every place. It's alfalfa, and everybody got it. It's alfalfa. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, there are good things going on, and um, alfalfa is a, an herb that's used to make money stay with you. It's, you know, it's hay. It's stored food for the winter. Pretty simple correspondence there. Okay, and that brings us to fall, and fall brings us to school. Oh, yeah. And um, so um, last week we announced that Deacon Millett would be doing this week's show on back-to-school magic, and then he had to bow out. He wasn't feeling well, and he said he promises he'll make it up. He'll be back next week, but we asked J.D. if he could fill in, and he said yes, and not to say anything against Deacon Millett, but really, J.D. works in a school. <laughs> so <laughs> he would be the perfect best person, person perfect person to do the back-to-school magic. So um, welcome to the show, J.D. Tell us what's been going on in your life. Hi, thanks, Catton. Hi, Hunterman Ali. Um, well, as you've said, uh, fall is here, so school is back in full swing. Um, so getting back into that habit, getting into the you know the work, and um, also not only do I work in a school, but I'm also in school. So I really like this topic because I looked at it from both lens. Um, I'm working on my PhD, so um, that also started up this week as well. So been very busy with catching up on work and reading and. Um, I'm excited to be here for this topic of, like I said, it kind of fits into two areas of my life, both as um, working in the field and also as actually being in it (laughs) and, you know, as a student. That's that's fantastic. Well, um, I'm not not wishing any ill on Deacon Millett and hoping he has a speedy recovery, (laughs) but (laughs) this was a great turn of events to get you in to talk about school magic. Mm. Now, um, and Deacon Millett will be back uh, with us as a guest next week, and we'll talk about what his topic will be later on in the show. So, um, as usual, I introduce the topic a little bit. So, school school magic is something that not everybody does. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have to know somebody in school or be in school. But it's certainly a kind of magic that mothers do for their children, and so do fathers, to Mm -hmm. a lesser extent. And the reason I say fathers to a lesser extent is because historically and contemporaneously, more women than men perform domestic magic spells. It's just the way it's always been and the way it continues. When you think of a witch, it's a woman, usually. Um, There are wizards, there are male um, sorcerers and so forth, but in our culture... A lot of folk magic is domestic, and domestic means female. So when I talk with clients, I have an awful lot of women asking me about school magic for their children, very few men. No no offense to the men, just saying that's how it is. 
The things that are asked most often are how to get into a good school. There may be a school lottery. There may be a question of going to a private school versus public. There may be moving to a different neighborhood or even establishing a false address to get into a different zip code so the child can go to a better school so that they register the child as living with the grandparents so that they can go to a better school. All of this type of stuff, which has a socioeconomic basis as well as a magical basis, I get asked about. How do I get that? Next question is, once the school has been found, if that is a problem, how do I get a better teacher or the best teacher? And I'll be presented with lists of teachers, and I have to do a a pendulum divination on their name. Or I'll be told that this teacher is bullying the child or is, is has a bad reputation. How can we get that teacher fired? Or how can we um, you know, move things around so that the teacher goes to a different district and that they have a better teacher? That's part two. So school, then teacher. Then they ask me, how can they get their child to focus more? How can they get their child to behave better in school, follow the rules, and so forth? How can they get their child to be happy? That's number four. How can they get their child to be happy in school? The school is not copacetic with the child's um, socio-cultural standing, and so the child may be feeling left out or uh, bullied. And then finally, number five is how does the child get better grades? That's not the usual question when the children are young. But the question of how do I get better grades starts at the young adult phase when the student is in college. And then it becomes, how do I get a student loan? How do I get into the college of my choice? How do I get better grades? And sometimes a mother will still be asking on a child's behalf well into the child's 20s. So this is the range of questions we're going to be talking about. And now I'm going to be turning this over to JD. All right, thanks, Ms. Katz. Uh, and I just want to touch on that um, point about getting into good schools. Um, it's also very common in areas, especially um, major cities, where you have magnet schools that are um, very prestigious and very hard to get into, and you have to take um, an academic test to get in, um, particularly for high school. So I've also seen this kind of work come up for parents who are looking to send their kids to one of those schools as they're finishing up eighth grade to get them accepted to the best high school. Um, Like here in uh, the Detroit area, we have um, at DPS, Detroit Public Schools, we have like four top-notch schools that are highly competitive to get into and they have to take tests in the spring. And so I often get clients who are asking for work to be done to help their kid do their best on that test to get accepted to that school. There's a, um, a, a thing that was mentioned in the comments, also for expulsion cases might be a good topic. And my answer is yes, that's not a common question, but it does come up, usually not so much from magic users, because they would have headed that off at the past before the child got expelled, usually, by working some spells for good adjustment. But it sometimes comes out of left field, and now we have the question of how do we get the child redeemed and back into a good school and not sidetracked into the pipeline that 
leads directly to jail. So I get that one too. Um, Contraman, you also have some academic background. What kind of um, spells do you like to do for clients who want their child to do better? Yeah, I mean, I I am an academic. Uh, it's my day job, and I teach uh, at, not at a school but at a university, so it's slightly different, but roughly the same time period. We have schools and universities all start roughly around the fall time with slight variations. Some start at the end of August, some start mid-September, but they're roughly the same. Uh, and the considerations are also pretty similar, whether you have a kid that is starting college, returning to college, or you have um, someone who is uh, going to school. So I do quite a bit of work around this. A lot of the, the work starts first with dusting off what I call the summer cobwebs. For about three months, if you're on any sort of academic calendar, you shouldn't do much, with the exception of academics themselves who are researching and writing and traveling and conferencing and doing other things during the summer. Everybody else takes a break. You have that summer break. And the summer break cobwebs are very real. That's why the first week of school, everyone sort of is just getting back into the swing of things. So I actually always recommend people start with an underrated formula with Van Van. Van Van products here are really good to get you to transition from that summer period into the academic period of fall, to move away from leisure and relaxation and summer vibes to work and study and prepare. So a good cleansing of the home and particularly dusting off their backpacks, their books, their school supplies. You can use Van Van around the bedroom, around the home. You can use it even on the shoes. You could put a little bit of Van Van powder or use Van Van oil to make a cloth on the shoes. It's a really good first step. So even before I reach for crown of success, before I do any sort of academic success work, I start with Van Van. It's a good way of clearing out the past and moving towards the, the future. Vanvin is great because it's not just a cleansing, it's an empowerment formula. It's about changing bad luck to good. It's about changing things. It has, it's sort of a, when I describe it to people, I say it's a luck, road opening, success, and empowerment product all kind of rolled into one. So it's really, really good for the first product you reach for when you start any type of school or academic season. That's a that's a really really good one. Putting a cross on the sole of your shoes with Van Van oil. Yeah. That is so old and so good. Um, Balkan Diviner pointed out a spell that um, was shared. He shared previously, but it is um, to take um, when a baby is born. Do not cut the baby's hair for one year. Afterwards, the parents god the child's godfather takes a strand of hair with a penny in the package and the umbilical cord stump. And every year at the beginning of the school year, uh, his mother put this package into a school bag without his knowing this. And this was used for scoring the highest grades. That's an interesting one. Very Balkan in its origin. Now, I'm going to um, share one from my world. You mentioned using Van Van before you go to Crown of Success. And I agree, jumping immediately to crown of success is a little bit premature. You want to make sure everything kind of settles in. But tests are usually given um, on a weekly basis or monthly basis, depending on 
what level of uh, school the child is in and where we are in the school year. But once the tests are settled in, you want to dress the child or the child's clothing or backpack or whatever it is, their shoes, with crown of success. Well, I wouldn't use crown of success on the shoes. I'd use it on the head because the crown, that means the head. You can put it in their cap or in their hair. And that is for test day. I like to use that on test day because it really kind of elevates the child above the others. Now, there's another one that I like to use, and that is King Solomon Wisdom, which is often mixed with court case for uh, to make the judge make a good decision. But also King Solomon was wise, and he wrote a wonderful book called The Book of Proverbs. And there's a lot of stuff in there about how to have a family and how to keep a job and stuff in the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And King Solomon was a wise person. So, again, uh, some sort of a talisman or um, addressing with King Solomon wisdom is not a bad idea. And you can mix it with crown of success. And as I've mentioned before on this radio show, if you look at our label, Lucky Mojo's label, for crown of success and the label for King Solomon wisdom, you'll see that the crown It's the same crown on both of them, and the one has been distorted to make it wider. And so the Crown of Success label came out of the King Solomon Wisdom label, little secrets of Lucky Mojo. So I tend to use those two together, and they do have one shared ingredient. And so that's why I did it. How about you, J.D.? What's a good um, little quickie that you like to do for starting school and for kids in school? Sure. Uh, one of the ones I wanted to mention, and you brought it up about adding crown of success or King Solomon, is actually buying the bath crystals and blending them together mm-hmm. and adding um, and brewing it and then adding that to the rinse cycle of their child's clothes so that it'll actually be, they'll be dressed in that as they take their test and go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and another simple, nice one I like to do is... Um, the items you're going to send them to school with, such as pens and pencils, is to take King Solomon Crown of Success or Master Oil, or even a blend of all three, and to dress the pens, the pencils, the crayons uh, lightly with those oils. You can stuff the uh, notebooks that you purchased with the sachet powders um, and pray over them so they'll be ready so when the, your child is using them in class that they, they have those items touching them, that, you know, the contagious magic that they're physically working with them. Mhm. Yeah, that's those are really good things. And remember folks, people always say, why do you make sachet powders? What are they used for? And the answer is you cannot put oil on paper. So if there's going to be any work done on paper, you would want to dress the paper with sachet powders. Now, on the other hand, if the child is going to be doing everything with um digital device of any kind, you don't want to use powders because powders have a way of working themselves into the guts of these things and not being friendly. I mean, it's just, it's not so good. So for uh, digital devices, I recommend incense. Uh, that will not harm them. And um, that's my my thing. What do you all think of that? I agree. Incense oh. is great, especially because you can... Um smoke the items in there. So, and a lot of the kids have iPads or um, Chromebooks mm-hmm. these days, so you're able to prepare them without necessarily, um, you know, covering them in, in herbs or oils or waters. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to put yeah. a word in too for for incense. Like incense is so great uh, for exactly what JD was talking about here. You've got an iPad. You don't oil it. <laughs> right. Damn right. oil onto that thing. The same thing with your books, right? Like uh, textbooks. Uh, damage that you do to textbooks can can sometimes certain schools cost you. But also oils will will stain the books. But you can smoke books, right? You can easily smoke those books. You can easily smoke the incense. If you're comfortable with the smoke smell, so you be mindful also of scent here. Uh, some people don't want to go around smelling like smoke. The most the incenses have a pretty pleasant smell. Just be mindful of that. Uh, talismans are also really great. Talismans that you can carry on with the body. The old school talismans that I were taught were almost always medallions and buttons that were sewn into the clothing itself. So the idea is that kids are pretty naturally forgetful. They'd lose their head if it wasn't attached onto their heads, right? Like they, you always get that issue. And that's likely true with talismans. If you give them something that they wear, it could break off, it could get lost, it whatnot. So more often than not, I was taught that you want to actually sew the talisman into their jacket or into their shirts or even in your pocket of their pants. Um, you can also create buttons this way where you take the button and you fix the button with oils and prayers uh, over a period of time using particular timing. And then the button itself acts as a talisman that can be sewn into it. And I was told that the way that you sew it in, if, for example, if you were to do it in the, into their pocket, you would sew it as a sort of cross stitch. You would make a little cross over it so it would be nice and snug and it wouldn't be yanked out of their pocket. Or you can even open up their jacket, for example, the lining of their jacket, sew it in the inside lining, and then close the lining back up. So this was a pretty common practice in Virginian conjure, uh, and it's still something that I recommend to clients is, is creating these talismans and then sewing it onto the clothing itself so that it cannot get lost. And a great product here is not just uh, is actually a mixture you can use crown of success king solomon's wisdom and i really really like a little bit of john the conqueror and i know that people might think that's a little strange for uh something like school and success but john the conqueror was an all-around protective and empowerment product if you use john the conqueror oil on anything, it has a really good way of boosting the chances of success for whatever you're doing, whether you're ordering money working, success working, or in this case, some type of academic school working. So just a little bit of John the Conqueror root oil, Crown of Success oil, and King Solomon's Wisdom oil, and that is a really good mixture that you can put on any talisman or magical object. Okay, I'm going to throw another one in here. Think about psychic vision incense to Hmm. sense a book and then sleep with the book under your pillow to absorb the contents of the book through your dreams. So Hmm. when when you are sensing a book, you actually want to thumb through it. You're not, it's not just a block, you know, you, you're actually getting the smoke between the leaves. Don't do too much, just a little bit, and then sleep on the book if it has psychic vision in it and maybe some crown of success or John the Conqueror or whatever other thing you're going to use, King Solomon Wisdom. And then the book will kind of go into your brain while you sleep. You might dream about it, and that's a good thing. Balkan Diviner Diviner also mentions clarity, and I agree with that, Balkan Diviner. Uh, Clarity is particularly good for the kinds of 
kinds of subjects in which there's a lot of logic, such as mathematics, where you have to really understand how these things work, or studying the law, um, and studying things that are maybe a little bit above what you've learned before, um, taxonomical names of plants, things like that, where you have to do some memorization. I would say that's not necessary, but where you have to do some learning of a new system of thought, clarity would be very good, very useful. And another thing I'm going to bring in with that idea is the graveyard dirt of someone who excelled at the subject that's being studied. So if you're lucky enough to live in a town where a famous mathematician lived, go get some of that graveyard dirt and um, use that in your little mojo that you're going to make or carry for school. Mm. Or use it um, in dressing a candle or a ring of it around the candle. Leave some coins at the grave of the famous mathematician. But this could be a famous lawyer, it could be a famous writer, whatever it is you're studying, you would want someone who excelled at that. They need not be your own personal ancestor, Hmm. but just somebody that is well known. There are people who will exchange graveyard dirt with you. If you enter into some of these forums or uh, groups where people will literally mail you some graveyard dirt from their town, from a famous person, if you change and send them some from your town. So a famous academician would be great. Um, I I certainly know that there are many more ancient famous academicians in Europe. So you might want to make friends with someone who's Swedish who might send you the graveyard dirt of Carl Linnaeus, for instance, um, mm. the man who invented the taxonomic binomial system of botany. (laughs) And so getting in touch with the dead to have them help you is just another way of working. Mm -hmm. Uh, One practical suggestion that I have that you can combine with the root work is actually to set up a study corner. We've often found that uh, when people study in overly familiar places, they get easily distracted. Uh, and it depends on people's learning uh, capabilities. Everyone has a different learning style. But generally, people who study in their room find themselves distracted very easily. They go on their phone, they go on their computer, they do other things. And so setting up a separate space for actual study, this is one of the reasons why a lot of college kids and uh, even professors and academics will actually study in coffee shops. We need to get out of the house. What you can do is actually set up a study corner in your home if you have the space for it. You can set up a little space, a corner in your home. Like let's say you have a den. Dedicate that den to studying. So you can set it up and create a little table there, uh, make sure that there's no distractions. And in that space, I want you to put rosemary. Rosemary is incredibly, incredibly great for memorization, for learning, for mental acuity. It's an old, old medieval trick for even taking exams. Students would have a spring of rosemary with them. could remember their answers for their exam, and some would even put rosemary behind their ear. It works really, really well. So you can put some some rosemary in that study corner. If you don't have the space for it, then you can dedicate their room in a similar fashion. Keep a little bit of rosemary in the room. If you can't get your hands on rosemary, then get some rosemary oil and put the oil in an oil diffuser to kind of 
light it up so whenever they go to study, put the oil diffuser on so that they can smell that rosemary oil. Um, or just have rosemary in their room or in that study corner. And that can really increase and help any type of studying that's happening, any type of learning that's happening. It helps with retention, mental acuity, and memory. Well, I'm going to go a little farther on this in honor of Carl Linnaeus. Um, Rosemary is a member of the mint family. And the mint family are known for their very sharp aromatic fragrances. And there have been um, studies done on the development in dementia, including um, all types of dementia, not just Alzheimer's, but Lewy body dementia and so forth, Parkinsonianism and so forth. Um, And they have found that as people come closer to showing other signs of dementia, their sense of smell begins to diminish. And the first thing to leave are some of the floral smells. You know, the rose has just lost its lovely scent to them. But the last one to go is usually spearmint or peppermint. And so rosemary is on that continuum. You know, we have things like basil and, um, you know, there's so many things in the mint family that have these nice little minty flavors, lemon mint and so forth. But if a person cannot smell spearmint or peppermint, they are in danger of either having some sort of tumor in their nose, which is a whole other story, but they also are in danger of the onset of dementia. Um, this is also have been found to be true among people who have other types of um, what I would call non-normative um, neurology in various ways. So one of the things that I've always found interesting, when a client comes into my shop, I have them smell something that has mint in it, not mint oil. I don't want to give away the game. Right? I say, how do you like that? And if they say, oh, that's very mild. They don't, you know, hmm, I don't know. I know that's a danger sign for that person because mint and rosemary especially stimulate memory. And if you can't smell it, your memory isn't stimulated. She didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't know the, the, the scent. I really didn't know about the, the, the scent. That's fascinating. I mean, I knew about the spearmint and, and, and the family of herbs, but I didn't know about its connection to smell and how it could even help diagnose things like a tumor. That's fascinating. But yeah. really just and it's not, and it, by our, the way, the, the lack of smell doesn't cause these things. The lack of smell is a symptom of these things. Right, a symptom of these things. It's a way right. to diagnose. But it really speaks to the fact that a lot of what we call spiritual qualities are rooted in the actual medicinal experience of them, right? Like, or the mm-hmm. actual chemical makeup of the herbs. There's a wisdom here. So it's not like we're not just putting random herbs together and going, oh, this means success. Here you go. <laughs> There's a logic there. There is a logic. So JD has been posting in the uh, chat, and so has Ayushareg. So Ayushareg said, my sister always told me to drink ginkgo biloba tea while studying before taking my exams. And I will say, too, that my mother swore by ginkgo biloba for the retention of memory. And I, I will say it worked for her because she did never get any kind of memory loss and lived to be 90 with her memory intact. JD, meanwhile, has given us the names of a couple of Catholic Saints. So, how about it, JD? We'll turn this over to you. Hi, right, thanks, Ms. Cat. 
I, I was responding to Balkan Diviner who was asking about angel work, so I didn't um, address angels. I did put some saints that are known for student success, St. Thomas Aquinas, who is known for student success as well as college students. And a, um, a lesser known saint, but still one who's known for um, working with students and helping them, especially for at-risk youth, is St. John Bosco. Um, he was from around the 19th century, and he worked particularly in areas where students were at risk and at need and dedicated his life to that work. So those are both two great saints to petition for assistance with work, uh, especially with helping your child. That's really good news. And also I would say that there's a couple of others. St. Catherine of Siena, who was known as a doctor of the church, has also been used for women who um, want to exceed, uh, you know, the expectations given to women academically. Um, there's a, there's a, a really a lot of ideas behind this that are similar to what I mentioned before when I talked about finding a famous academician's grave. And so you could also look for a relic of one of those or a, um, one of those saints or a, um, a, a talisman or a painting or image. I also like to work with Dr. Jose Gregorio Hernandez for people who are in medical school. Dr. Jose Gregorio Hernandez was, he's been beatified, but he's not a saint, but he was uh, the founder of the first medical school in Venezuela, and he was also a very holy man and helped people learn so just somebody, if, if that is their specialty. You can also work with the spirits that the class school is named after. So a lot of mm. schools are named after individuals. Um, this is doubly so if you're a university. Many of the halls will be named after a former academic or a former head of a department or a former philosopher or someone along those lines. Schools are, can sometimes be named after scholars. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're named after just famous people like uh, Martin Luther King Jr., but you can still invoke their spirit because that place now falls under their influence. It's under the mm -hmm. influence of that spirit. And so you can call upon them and say, I am under your charge or my child is under your charge. Please ensure their success. Keep them safe from harm. Keep them safe from difficulties. Ease their road. Ease their learning that they may graduate with success. Um, and the spirit will. You light a white candle, offer it up to the spirit, call them out by name, and the entity will generally respond. If, for example, they are moving into a college, if they're going graduating from like a high school to a college, then you can call upon the, the uh, whatever their major is will be associated with a particular building. So, for example, if they're a history major, they'll probably be in so-and-so hall, or their major, their department is based in so-and-so hall. You can call upon the spirit of that hall. Most of those are named after academics or former heads of the department. And that's another way to invoke a spirit if, for example, comfortable working with saints, you don't have access to the de dead academicians, you can still invoke the spirits who have become symbolically attached to that school, university, or building. That's really, really a, a great idea. And, um, you know, these, the naming of these halls or schools uh, follows along several lines. There are, mm -hmm. um, you know, saints, of course, if it's a Catholic school, and there are famous academicians, 
there are famous philanthropists like, you know, Stanford University, and there are, well, it was named after the son of a famous philanthropist, <laughs> and there are also just politicians who were in power at the time when the school was created. And so these are all different. Parse through them, find out who the school was named after or the whole, and watch out for those horrible Confederate generals and enslavers. We, you know, don't be appealing to them for help because their entire life was based around keeping people enslaved. And so they would not be very good for people who want to rise up academically. That would be a really bad idea to appeal, you know, to General Lee, for instance. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, you want you want to be mindful of the names, which entities you're reaching out. To. It's the same thing with like Carl Linnaeus. Carl Linnaeus is a brilliant uh, biologist and the father of biology. He's also the founder of racism, right? Like, and he's the one who creates the categories of human race. That's a little tricky. A lot of the ancestors you call upon may not always be, or the spirits of the dead may not always be ideal. And the same thing with the names of the buildings. Some of these buildings aren't named after academics. They're named after, uh, you know, people who are entrepreneurs or whatnot, or who are just really, really rich, and they gave a lot of money to the university. Maybe not the best of allies. This is where you can turn to teachers. If, if you go to a local cemetery, you will find teachers who have passed. And so find teachers who are willing to work with you. So this involves, if you can't connect, get to someone famous, if you can't connect to the spirit of the, of the place itself, or let's say the spirit is, is, you know, hostile or not one spirit you can work with or has a racist past or something like that, you can work with the spirits of teachers themselves. Go to your local cemetery and open yourself up if you have some mediumship ability, you have some ability to work with the spirit. And find a spirit of the teacher who's willing to continue teaching through their afterlife. Call out to them and offer them some coins, offer them some flowers, and make a pact with them that you will visit their grave once a month throughout the school year and you will tend to their grave keep their gravestone clean, you give them flowers, give them coins, and in turn, they should ha come and help your child learn. You'll gather a bit, a bit of that used, a bit of that graveyard dirt, bring it back, you can lay it underneath that person's bed, you can put it in their shoes, you can put it in a mojo bag, you can also sprinkle it into their study room, a variety of ways of deploying it, but working with the spirits of teachers a powerful way to bring their influence and helping your child succeed in school. Okay, and I just got to stick up for Carl Linnaeus here. Racism. He never used the word race. He described what he called varieties. And in yeah, biology, I'm, so, I'm so sorry it, to disagree it, with you. It's like and in bi I'm going bias. to I'm going to finish his vindication. <laughs> and in biology and botany, varieties are not subspecies. They are not different species. They are simply variations in color or form. And so no, he, I mean, did, he did say that they were different species. He did say that there were varieties of color. Only a fool would not have noticed that. Right? No, That's no. He just, says very specifically says that humans are different species. Mongoloid, Negroid, Caucasoid, very explicit. Um, <laughs> I think you could. I think you no, could. No, no, say I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his text right now. I have it scanned. I'm a historian of science. He is. Look, well, we can say that he's a product of his time, certainly. But 
He is the founder uh, of scientific racism. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm sorry. I think he he talks here's, about... Here's a quote. Here's a quote I'm looking at right now. The Negroid race is inclined to labor and work and toil of the land. But wait. The but Caucasoid wait, but wait, first is inclined of all, towards mastery and soldiery. Wait, but who put that word race in if he never used the word race? He does use the word he, race. He does. You just said he doesn't use. He, he doesn't say racism, but he does use the word. No, racism. no, no. He but okay. Um, as far as I know, he never used the word race in Swedish. So look to your translator. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just. I'm just telling you the basics of any. Okay. Just. Just saying. Say. Just saying. He did, I, 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 I'm just sorry. The 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 guy gets a bad rap for something that color, hair color, behavior, clothing, and yeah, form of government. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. He probably gets a little bit harsher of a rap than people ought to be, but I mean. I mean, it may, it may just, it may, it's, to me, that's, to me, I'm sorry, that's YouTubeism or Facebookism. No, 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 this is, this is literally scholars of the history of science. If you read, if you read the, if you read the book, for example, I've read it. If you you read the book, uh, Daston and Gallison's Objectivity, it's a really fantastic, I mean, this gets off topic, but it is really cool. Yeah, but I'm I'm just going to say, just going to say again, he was, I mean, the, the place where it starts to enter into what became racism was trying to distinguish by behavior, and which is what he does. I mean, he literally says yes, that true. certain species are inclined to certain behaviors. He literally yeah, says one of his one of his, his big sentences is that the Negroid species or race is inclined towards but, particular but he didn't, behavior. Okay, I'm saying, look to your translation. He said variety. And and that's a different word. And if just because people want to put that word in as the translation, he used the word variety. I'm just saying it would be like saying the yellow variety of rose versus the red variety of rose. That's what he's saying. Well, he's not. He he does use the word race. I should be clear here. He does use variety. That's true. What's and the, I think, but but he does use race. I mean, again, look. If you don't believe me, just read Daston and Gallison's book Objectivity, which is uh, they're both historians of science, fluent in German and in Swedish, who translate the long history of science. And there's a reason why Carl Linnaeus is considered to be the father of race science. Uh, that doesn't mean. He's racist in the way we might imagine, so I would agree with you there. But it is thank you. That's all I was saying. I would not. No, no, no. We need need to be clear here. He is, in many ways, the founder of race science, and his his students are the first eugenicists. It's not like this is not a controversy. This is not like YouTubeism. It's not anything. It's literally just the basic historiography uh, of of science. So just be mindful of that. That anybody we work with are going to have some some issues, and it's the same way. If, like, for example, you have a building that's named after somebody, that person may have a little bit of a sketchy past. So, if you're unable to work with that person who the building is named after, or you're unable to work with a famous academic, or you're in whatever, you didn't have the local teachers that you can reach out to. That doesn't mean the local teachers are perfect either. I mean, teachers are racist, and teachers had all sorts of problems. So. It, it, there's an uh, an element of finding out what your comfort is and which spirit resonates with you. Maybe Carl Linnaeus is the, the spirit you want to reach out to because your child wants to become a biologist or wants to work 
in that field, that's of course going to be the right person you want to reach out to. So find the spirit that resonates with you. And that's the key here. Find the spirit that resonates with you and your academic goals. To say in Carl Linnaeus's defense, he did speak of varieties and he did make attempts to describe manner of clothing as if that were a biological uh, given, and it's not, of course, and behavior as if that were a biological given, but it may be more of a climatological thing. And remember, he was just up there in Sweden looking at what he could learn of the outside world. I don't think that eugenicists having studied Linnaeus should cast aspersions on Linnaeus. That's ridiculous. And, no, it's not that, it's and, not that eugenicists and, and, studied Linnaeus. His students were eugenicists. One of the categories he talks about is the monstrous and, category. I mean, come on, Kat. And I wanted to finish my sentence. And he went against a lot of um, resistance in listing human beings as animals. And for that, he deserves a great deal of credit because that was considered to be something that was unfounded in contemporary theology. So there's a the fact that he tried to take it farther than it should have been. I understand that, but I don't think that that makes him responsible for eugenicists. Well, I mean, he's not responsible for eugenicists, but his students were. I mean, one of his, and I agree with you, he does move away from the animal that all, that some humans are, are animals, so to speak. But he, one of his categories is the monstrous taxon, which is still has animal attributes. And quite literally, he's talking about certain humans as, quote unquote, having monstrous characteristics as a species. So there's a reason why eugenicists cited him. Again, I, I'll give this a, we're totally getting off topic. It's fascinating. This is my, my area of expertise. I love the history of science. It's enjoyable. It's fun. Uh, and it's not to say Carl Linnaeus was an evil monster in of itself, but just be mindful that every entity or spirit or figure that you work out work with may have a different background. And this is true with your ancestors. There are some ancestors that are overbearing or may not quite line up. There are ways of working with these people without bringing them, uh, you know, bringing their full ideology or beliefs into your life. So, for example, if you're a biologist, working with the founder of your discipline. It's the same thing with, with gynecology, OBGYN, right? The founder of gynecology is pretty shady. Uh, the type of experiments that were done on enslaved women, for example. But it is that individual is still the founder of uh, gynecology and can be an incredibly powerful influence if you want to work with them. Or you can work with the spirit of the dead who's a doctor or a teacher or whatnot. Another thing I want to suggest, because I think it's where we want to get back to that sort of practical aspect of this, um, are lucky coins. Lucky coins like buttons or, or, or you know, talismans that are sewn onto the body are another way of adding a sort of sneaky trick or a sneaky talisman to a person's uh, body. You can put it in their wallet. You can put it in their purse. It's a coin that is found. And I was told that it's a lucky coin that is specifically found on school grounds. So that if you can find a penny or if you can find a quarter, if you can find a lucky coin that's on school grounds, bring it back home, anoint it with crown of success, anoint it with clarity, anoint it with these other uh, uh, oils 
pray over it, and then put it in the person's wallet, their purse, or their background. And so long as they keep it, they will have fortune and luck in school. Now, the trick is to, to not have them lose it. If they give it away, it's not considered bad. It's not considered bad. You just have to just be mindful that if you put a coin in someone's purse and they're like, oh, I'm going to use it to buy a soda, you're going to have to replace it. But it's a really good way of sneaking a talisman into someone's stuff. So, um, J.D., do you have any ideas? Uh, yeah, I was actually um, jumping. There's one thing I wanted to mention um, that I've had come up before with clients is um, when their kids are with a bad influence, and I was typing it up for the the thread, is that there's a great spell in Hoodoo Urban Root Magic on using knotweed, uh, particularly for parents to bind up um, negative influences such as negative friends that are influencing their child. And that is a great spell, especially in our younger years of uh, influencing kids and, um, you know, how malleable they are at that young age, especially middle school to high school, in sending away those negative influence people. So it's on page 120. It's uh, one of my favorite ones to share with clients who have um, negative influences around their kids uh, to bind those influences and send it away. Um, so it's a little bit different from our, our topic of maybe success, but it looks at from another angle of like how do you eliminate things that are in the way of your child's success, and uh, this is one of those ways. That's, that's a really good one. There's also um, spells of protection to protect a child, and, and these would come, you could just look them up under regular type protection spells, um, candle spells or talismans to protect a child from um, bullies and from uh, teachers who are uh, not um, inclined toward viewing the child as a good student, who pigeonhole the child as a bad student. So protection is a good one there. And also seeking protection from uh, harassment um, at the school. Um, from peers. And so those kind of protection spells are fairly common. They aren't about academic success, but they may be necessary if the child has a difficult situation with uh, companions or or others in the school system. Also, we, we can talk a little bit about student loans. There's um, often a need to get a student loan before going to college. And again, you can find those under general money spells. You don't, they don't need to be specific just to student loans. Just a regular uh, getting, a, getting a loan spell would do to get a student loan. All right, there's our music, and it's time for our next reality change. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and, Lucky, and located online at luckymojo.com and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. By the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. 
Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller today is Lady Tears calling from 919 in North Carolina. Lady Tears, are you there? Yep, I'm right here. Great. You indicated that you had no readings on the situation about which you've called with other readers and have had readings with Miss Cap on a different situation. Is that correct? Yep. Great. And she writes, a dear friend of mine, an indigenous Colombian activist, recently traveled to Geneva to advocate for the indigenous nations she represents. She has since received a message, perhaps from the government, paramilitaries, or other armed actors, that if she continues her work and returns to Colombia, she, along with her young child and family, protection over her and the situation. It is so big, I do not know where to start, and it feels too urgent to order a bunch of materials in the mail and wait. Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. All right. Well, I'm going to say, first of all, Lady Tears, this is an interesting question. Um, and you're not so much asking for a reading as for some root work. And we usually jump right into the reading. Um, and I'm going to um, turn this over to Conjurman, see if he wants to do a reading or if he just wants to go right into the root work advice. And then JD, and then I will follow. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do a, a reading, but uh, we can ask our, our caller if that's what they want or to just dive right into root work recommendations. Um, what what is it? They, would you like us to do a reading on this situation? Yeah, I would be down for that. Um, I just kind of don't know where to start. Okay, yeah, it's tricky because there isn't a question here, but we can form a sort of general question here. You know, an indigenous Colombian activist recently traveled to Geneva to advocate for the indigenous nation represents, received a message uh, that if she continues to work on her, she along with her young child family will be killed. So we can ask, is there actual, is there harm to this uh, activist person is the question we can ask. Uh, do you know what this uh, sign, this person's sign of the zodiac is? You don't. Okay. Uh, that's perfectly fine. So we'll, we'll just go without the, the sign of the zodiac and ask from spirit, is there harm to this person? Is there danger to this person? Uh, the answer is very clearly yes. Uh, so the very first card that we have here is the, uh, it's interesting, we have two eights that have shown up. The first is the and the eight of wands can sometimes represent communication, but traditionally they're actually understood as the arrows of war that are being thrown from afar. So this is some type of threat that has been sent. So this indicates that it's not just a sort of local threat, but there is a sort of long distance threat that also exists and then may be prepared to strike this person. The hope and the, the desire here is to drive them away into a place of exile. For the next card that we have, is the Eight of Cups. So the Eight of Wands leads to the Eight of Cups. Here we have an individual in a red robe walking away from eight goblets, uh, and they're walking away into a barren, dark wasteland in the background. And this is an indication of walking away from work that you have done, from things that you've uh, invested in, from, from the things you've built in your life. Um, in this case, there's an indication that the, the people who are threatening, the people who are 
putting this person in harm, the person who, who uh, they don't want her to continue the work that she's doing. That if she returns to Colombia along with her young child, there's some threat there because the, the desire is to force this person into exile, to force this person away from the good works that they're doing, to force this person away from the from how they're raising awareness about an important indigenous cause and important situation around the indigenous nations. So this is about forcing this person away from their work, but also away from their land, into a place of exile, into a place of feeling alone. And the next card that we have is the devil. So these are not positive cards. The devil shows us in a Baphomet figure who is sitting on a block and underneath them are two individuals that are chained. Uh, and he holds his hand up in malediction. It's actually a mockery of the lover's card, an inversion of the lover's card here. So this does indicate uh, harm. It indicates not just harm, but organized harm. There seems to be one to three people who are actively campaigning, who are combining or they're allied together or joined together. They may not even be natural allies, but they are in this instance. They're allied and aligned against this activist here. These three people are working together in a coordinated fashion and then draws in others. There is here a threat. Um, the individual or the activist can survive this threat, but it may involve being in a very difficult situation and actually being in a state of exile for a period. Because I pulled a fourth card of the outcome, and it is the Ten of Wands. And the Ten of Wands is the person who's carrying a heavy burden, and they're carrying it uh, with them. And this indicates to me that yes, there can be a survival for if protection work is done, if, if immediate action is taken. But there may be a loss of homeland here. There may be a loss of community here. There may be a state of alienation or exile that this person will experience for a period of time. So the future does not look like the best. It's a bit bleak here. The good news is that the threat can be overcome, that the physical harm can be overcome if right action is taken. But be mindful here that there is always going to be a cost, that even if you're victorious and triumphant over the enemies of these people who are aligned against the activists, that there will still be a burden or cost that needs to be borne. So that's what I see here uh, as, a, as a reading in regards to the situation itself. I'm going to turn this over to JD, and then Miss Kat is going to give you some root work, and maybe she can do some work around that devil and ten of swords, or ten of wands situation to help alleviate the burden and to remove the actual threat. Thank you. Thank you, Conjure. All right. Well, I'm also using the Rider Waite deck, and I pulled three cards, and then I pulled one more for an outcome as well. Um, the first card I pulled is the Knight of Swords, and this is a, a knight who is running into battle. You see the sword up ready. Um, the horse is in full gallop. Um, you know, the sky looks like he, there's something major going on. And, and this to me is someone who is, uh, particularly in this case, what we're talking about is someone who's coming on the attack to your friend. Um, that was followed by the Eight of Swords. And the Eight of Swords is a woman who is bound up, uh, arms and chest and face, uh, surrounded by swords. There's a mountain in the back with uh, land with water running around it. And... Um, this is a person who's bound and confined and um, 
being subjected to the, the, the pain of the swords. Um, this is not a person being against their will. This is uh, a sad, desperate, painful card. Um, this was followed by the Four of Swords, and the Four of Swords was reversed. And the Four of Swords is a person who is laying on a, a, a casket in a church with the, the cross of the sword standing over them. Reversed, this is a person being held against their will for a period of time um, against their own comfort, and they're threatened by the swords that are um, really pertaining onto them. Um, and the last card I pulled was death. And uh, the fact that I pulled three sword cards in a row and then death is that this is a very serious, very dangerous situation that she is going into and that the threat is very viable in my opinion. Ms. Kat? All right. Well, um, I'm just going to throw in that I also drew three cards really quickly. The first one I had was the... Page of Swords, which is the woman who runs into a field, doesn't know how to stop, but looks back and kind of wants to return. And this is the desire to return to Columbia. Uh, the next card I had was the Seven of Wands, which is an attack by multiple parties upon a person who was unprepared for the attack. And the third card was the Tower, which is the tower collapsing and crumbling down and is a very bad outcome. So we, we, all three of us are in agreement. This woman may need to rethink her plans. There may be no way to protect her if she goes back to Columbia at this time. Mm-hmm. And having said that, I mean, I wish I could say, well, we're just going to snap our fingers and we're going to give her that talisman of safe travel and she'll be fine, folks. But I'm not seeing it because three readers have come up with really bad outcomes if she returns. And there may even be detainment, um, kidnapping, disappearing, or death. So these are things to take very seriously. And I know you're hoping for us to say, yes, this can be cured with these herbs or that candle, but I'm not seeing it. And it's rare when all three of us as readers get something so different, similar, similar. I mean, it's, they're very similar. And so I'm going to suggest for root work something a bit different. First of all, I want to use some clarity for her that she has to take this threat seriously. If she's thinking she can avoid this, it may not be so. And even being an activist and remaining may not be safe for her. They've been known to kill people where they stand and not wait for them to return home. So she is under serious threat. I would use some protection products, protection oil, do a protection spell. And I would recommend the Fiery Wall of Protection spell, which uses a a ring of candles, purple candles, seven of them, around a central candle for her and a smaller candle for her child, which would be in white. And I would name each of those seven candles for one of the protectors that one would hope for, local police or whatever, but I, and perhaps some spiritual helpers. It doesn't matter whether they are living, whether they are ancestors, whether they are deities, but there need to be seven of them. The perpetrators, usually when we do a firewall protection spell, we put one candle off to one side that's black, and that is the perpetrator. But here we're 
all of us are seeing multiple perpetrators. Therefore, I would put um, a bunch of smaller black candles, little four-inch candles, and um, and light them all. Because the problem is there are too many potential attackers here, not just one. And Fiery Wall of Protection spell is good. It's very good. But you need to watch it burn and watch the way the wax flows um, and see who will attack and who will protect. It sometimes occurs that when you burn a bunch of, say, six-inch candles as protectors around um, an individual candle and maybe a child candle, that some of them go out, some of them the wax runs off in different directions and doesn't protect, and you're going to have to redo the spell if that's the case with new protection candles. And these are freestanding candles, not glass candles. And so, but even so, <laughs> I'm going to say this does not look good. And I would, I would also use some clarity oil for this woman. She needs to see these threats. There are people usually not women with a child, but there are people who said, I will take my stand and this is a hill I will die on if I have to. I'd rather be a martyr than be humbled and afraid. Some will do that, some will not. And usually if a person has a child, they want the child in safety. My sense here is this danger is just as great as it was reported to be. And um, there is a question of getting the child to safety if she decides to be an activist and go back to Colombia, it's basically going to be very very bad I mean that's what I'm seeing here Does, do any of you guys have anything else to add to this yeah I think you had some you've got some really good advice there on on how to do some powerful protective work immediately I was peppered in with some sage advice some sage practical advice from this cat um, I would add that that prayer is incredibly powerful so if you can connect to a prayer circle or prayer network the crystal silence league here is really useful put a prayer into the crystal silence league so that you have many people praying for the safety of this person particularly if you have difficulties reaching immediately for product get that prayer going immediately like the second you get off this phone with us go to the crystal silence league put a prayer there if you can't get it through the crystal silence league local prayer networks are really useful through the church or whatever religious organization you're a part of getting that spiritual protection is really really important if you can do that quickly and if you can do that immediately that can get things going before you even start to light your candles and, and get the products how about okay. you, J.D.? Do you have something to add? Yes, I was going to mention um, the, the power of St. Michael, and he is also the patron saint of police, and he's also known for his safety and fierce fire and power. Um, I was going to suggest, since the client doesn't have time to wait for products, to use uh, miscellaneous, uh, the Miss Candle services and to have a St. Michael candle as well as a fiery wall of protection candle lit um, to burn on the petition and the photo of their friend and to start petitioning St. Michael um, immediately for protection for her friend. Yeah, I think this is really important. Um, and I'm going to add another thing and why clarity is important. You cannot 
function on behalf of this person. What we saw in these cards, there were no helper. There were no helpers anywhere. And so this is a, a path that she has to walk for herself. And therefore, her clarity of mind needs to be brilliant and focused. Because if we had had helper cards, we could say, yes, yes, get her a 24-hour protection. But we're not seeing helper cards. And this is part of the problem when um, activists are um, elevated to the point that they are invited to speak in public and um and, but yet they don't they are not provided with secure um protection and so your wish to protect her may not be enough and she needs clarity and so i would pray for that that she understands that this is just as difficult as it, as it seems to be i don't want to wake up in the morning and hear you know that this woman was killed but um, there are usually uh, signs that show when you can win and when you cannot. And we rarely get a reading on this show where we say there's nothing that can be done. Every once in a while we do. But what I'm seeing here is a pretty grim reality. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, there's always cause for hope, but it is pretty grim. Uh, and so we, we, I think the motto is, uh, work for the best, prepare for the worst type is, is always a good approach when you have the cards that, that we kind of got. Mm-hmm. Now, don't ha- don't tell her you must never go back or they'll kill you because three card readers on a free radio show <laughs> said so. But it's interesting that we all kind of agreed here. I mean, we all got very similar cards. And that's why I say I'd also pray for clarity for her. If she is histrionic and you think, oh, this can't be this bad, I would say, no, this is not a case of being histrionic. This is that bad. And we hear these types of uh, killings all the time. So this is not something off the normal spectrum of human criminality. So if you care for this person um, and have any influence, I would say it's time for them to decide for themselves if they want to go into a situation that could lead to um, kidnapping, detainment, disappearance, killing, and you name it, because that's what it looks like would happen. And um, good luck. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's what we got. All right, we're going to have a little announcement from J.D. Things can change over time for her as well. It's possible this is not the right time to go back. Yes, ask again later. That's a good Mm. point, J.D. And now we're going to have our network identification and tritone, followed by the free spell. L.M.C. You're listening to the L.M.C. Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30, 
The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain in syndication. Tuesdays, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voigt. Tuesdays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay in syndication. Thursdays, All Time Specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, J.D. of HoodooHouseDetroit.com and Detroit. Take it away, J.D. Hi, thank you. Today's spell is a lamp spell for school success. Lamps are symbols in the Bible of knowledge, teaching, and also showing the way. They're also a symbol that we often see in schools used on um, regalia or even school uh, symbols to represent knowledge. For this spell, we'll be making a lamp for success in school and studies. You will need a kerosene lamp, lamp oil, bottle of crown of success, crown of master oil, Solomon seal root, I John the Conqueror root, master root, three bay leaves, four pen- the fourth pentacles of mercury to obtain knowledge and understanding in all things, a piece of hair from the crown of you or the person you're making this lamp for head and a safety pen. Take the seal and write out your desired success for school and studies. Turn it to the right at a 90 degree angle and write over it nine times Psalms 119-105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Dress the four corners in the center of the paper with the oil as you repeat your petition and the Psalm selection. Take the piece of hair and set it in the center and fold it towards you three times. When it is folded, take a safety pin and pin it to the end of the cloth of the lamp wick. Take the bay leaves and pray over them for success. Place them in the lamp base. Take the three power roots and pray over them for success, for mastery, to overcome all obstacles and hardships, and place them in the container. For a bottle of crown of success, to be successful in all your endeavors, including school, and master oil to be mastery over all of the things of school, and add it to the base, and then fill the base with kerosene, base of the lamp. Light the lamp and pray to God, asking to bring success, knowledge, and understanding in all matters of school, and recite Psalms 134 over it daily. That is my free spell for you today. All right. That's really, really wonderful. Um, Do you have anything to add to this, Conjurman? Because I have a couple of things I'd throw in, too. But do you have anything to add? Not anything to add. Just that I love working with with lamps in this way because it's such a fantastic long-term approach to success. The lighting of the lamp, the keeping of the products in the lamp. I mean, I just love this particular working. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I yes, this is really good, and because lamps are long term work, and they're really good for the long term of the semester of school or something like that. It's a, a wonderful spell. I would consider add adding rosemary because we talked about it earlier, and a sprig of rosemary would would work, and um, and also 
um, peach tree leaves are sometimes used for um, kids for academic success too. But rosemary would just be easy to find and add, um, and that's the only change I would really make. Maybe peach tree leaves. Um, so that's a, a really really good spell. Now we talk about having an oil lamp spell like this. So I want to talk to you, JD, about this. Um, you talk about lighting the lamp, praying to God, and understanding matters in school. How would you use such a lamp? Would you light it weekly, daily? Would you keep it going continuously? What kind of a, a method would you use? I would have it going um, particularly when either I or the child is in school. If you mm-hmm. are able to regularly, I would, and um, just refill the base as needed. Um, but it, for safety purposes, at least when they're in school and when they're studying, and particularly if there is an important test or event coming up. Um, this is also a really good way of kind of um, preparing school items. So you could take those, like we talked about earlier, taking those notebooks, taking those item pens and everything, and putting them under a metal dish and putting this lamp on top of it while you pray psalms. 134 over it for school success and then let it sit overnight and then put those items aside for the child to be successful at school. So it's a way of preparing them as well. That's, oh, that's, very that's, cool. that's really good. Also in the, in the chat, you also said, I also thought deer's tongue herb for eloquence, not necessary for every form of school work. For instance, if you're just doing pure math, you don't have to be eloquent per se, but for speech, um, that would be, you know, depending if you're getting a drama major, you might want um, deer's tongue. Or if you're studying to be a lawyer, you might want deer's tongue. So, mm. yeah, this is a very flexible spell, and you can add other things. Also, these herbs that are mentioned here um, can certainly be used as a, um, not just in the oil lamp itself. You could make those um, herbs and put them together as a sprinkle. You could use them to burn on charcoal as an addition to some kind of incense um, having to do with the mind. Remember that herbs have more uses than most other spiritual supplies because they are the basis of most spiritual supplies. So you could um, make a little a little uh, mojo bag with them. You can burn them. You can sprinkle them. You can use them in laundry and so forth. So everything here that goes into the oil lamp could also be used to make a tea-type bag or mojo bag. Is that is that mm. right, J.D.? I mean, Yes, absolutely. It's actually one of my favorite mojos is to put those together and wear it and have mm-hmm. the oil lamp at the time. So it's like they're reinforcing each other. That's right. So that the mojo and the oil lamp reinforce one. Yeah, work together. Yeah. Um, So what you can do is look at these herbs and the couple of herbs that we also added in chat as kind of your basic school herbs, and you can work with them as you will. All right. Well, thank you so much, J.D. That was really great, and it's going to be really useful. People are going to come back to the show in the future and look this up, and we'll call it J.D.'s Scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) So let's turn this over to Nagashiva, and he's going to 
uh, tell us a bit more about where we're going in the world, and then we'll come back and say goodbye. Thank you, Miss Cat and Gondraman, and thank you, JD of HoodooHouseDetroit.com in Detroit for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when we'll welcome Deacon Millet of FourAltars.com in the high desert of California, who will bring us a tutorial on the fall equinox. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com and missionviejo.com. I'm your announcer, Troll Talhead, joining you from satanservice.org. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you can hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you very much. And I just have to say, with respect to Carl Linnaeus, he relied upon ethnographic studies, and he came under the influence of racialist ideas. If you go back to the first editions of his book, those ideas are not there. He could not get samples of humans the way he could of plants, and so he relied upon the descriptions of people who gave false descriptions. Just wanted to say that in defense of Carl Linnaeus. <laughs> and my, All right. I and you're not going to be able to stop me. I let go you talk. I let you talk over me quite a bit. I'm just going to have read my book, word too. To Thank you. All right. <laughs> and I hope we all have a happy week and see each other next week. Good night. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. <laughs>